Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. Lydia Maddox is a refreshing indie comedy pop star and on the rise. Her first UK tour kicked off in April 2019. Lydia has supported the likes of Kate Nash, Lewis Capaldi and Rag and Bone Man. Her first single, Dating Anthem Too Cliché, was hailed by the BBC as one to watch and for being hilarious and original. Susie Thorpe spoke with Lydia Maddox. Probably the darling of the BBC introducing. You have been, <laughs> you have been for a very long time. I mean, you, you started singing, didn't you, or performing? Was it 2016 you brought out, you started performing? Is that right? Yeah, so that's when I kind of started taking it seriously. I think before then, it was kind of a hobby that I'd carried on from school. Um, but yeah, 2016 was definitely when I like got my EP out and thought, actually, I could make a career of this. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You can make a career of this out of your hobby because you have been in radio, haven't you? You've been working as uh, well. Uh, you've been doing everything in radio, haven't you? You you started off at Soho Radio. Yeah, so I did a bit of work at Soho Radio. I also done like quite a few other community radio stations over the years as well. And yeah, I'm at one at a local one at the moment called well, it's Penge. It's Penge Radio Station. It's I love local radio as well, so it's good to like it uh, is, enjoy both. You're right about local radio, aren't you? Because y- yeah, it, and local radio is quite an interesting thing, uh, especially for the unsigned charts and unsigned. Mm. And I think it's a real fantastic platform. Has do you think that's helped you? Definitely, yeah. Even Vibe FM, you know, sometimes they put on live events and I actually performed in a shopping centre last year, for example. Yeah. Um, so That's amazing. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have uh, community support. And I think that's kind of how you have to start, you know. Firstly, it's your family that support you, then your friends, then you're, you know, trying to build up a fan base, so... And grassroots is important, very important. Yeah, now let's talk about your grassroots family. How are your family as musically talented as you are, <laughs> or did that something come from another area? I'm sure it came from your family. I don't know why I haven't asked that question really. Yeah, I mean, we all kind of sing, I guess, like at church or choir. Oh, That's fantastic. sort of where it's come from. Um, but my uncle was definitely my biggest influence. He writes songs all the time, and I remember watching him recording into a dictaphone like all these little ideas and I've kind of <laughs> copied that I've got so many ideas in my phone uh, just little things I, that, um, I think of along the way oh wow so you actually remember some of the things that your uncle was playing and singing and and that sort of gives you some ideas and sort of um, some motivation does it to write some songs yeah and do you know the thing inspiration <laughs> strikes at um any moment so I could be on a bus or I could be walking or just in my room and I don't know where it comes from but you just get this idea and I sometimes if I just write the lyrics down I won't remember the melody so that's why I'm humming into my phone and stuff like that but um, yeah it's quite fun. (laughs) Well I I suppose that is a true performer isn't it really a true singer true singer songwriter and and I I just want to put in this now you've put in here you're a comedic singer-songwriter or comedy singer-songwriter why why the comedy which I think is absolutely fantastic but oh, what thank you what what put that in um, you know had it always been part of you to be to have that sort of side to it definitely yeah I think I have 
quite a cheeky personality. Um, <laughs> I definitely think a lot of teachers would say that. And um, I remember students would kind of challenge me to write songs about different things. So I'd write like little raps about classmates or about the school um, or just like different topics they could give me as well, like social media and stuff like that. So that's definitely carried through having a comedic element. It was kind of to get a laugh, whereas now it's such a natural thing that happens in my songs. And I'm a very visual person as well. So I think about um, what the music video would look like or how can I present it on stage to get a laugh. So it's, yeah, they complement each other well, I'd say. And and to be, to have any, as you say, have a comedic side to it as well, it's the timing as well. And you seem to have got that right. I, I, I get the impression you're... As you do more and more stuff, you feel really good about yourself and you're able to do it. It is out of practice, isn't it? The more you are performing and doing something that you really want to do and you're getting the platform, you think, well, hey, they like me. I'm going to do more of this. Definitely. I think performing, songwriting, anything to do with music is so infectious. And um, I, I love getting that reaction from the crowd because of course every time you perform a song you're trying to do it as if it's the first time you've ever done it and it's nice to see that surprised look on people's faces when they hear or see what I've put together I try not to just go oh the next song is this I try to make a narrative um, that people can follow along and enjoy and get entertained about you know I think that's absolutely key and you've done that really well. Now, I just, we, we, we're all in this lockdown. We're all in it together, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> which yeah. is, which is um, you know, for people that have been affected by the, the, the COVID-19, absolutely awful. And for people who are staying yeah. away and not trying to get infected or haven't been infected rather, it is, it's, it's hard and tough now, especially for the entertainment industry, which, mm. which obviously affects you. How has it affected you, Lydia, and, and your peers? I mean, you obviously have friends in the business as well. How, how have you all coped with it? Yeah, it's been, it's been a blessing and a curse in some ways. I mean, all of my shows have been cancelled or postponed. Um, stuff. A lot of festivals, I had a festival, um, sorry, a music tour um, lined up. That's completely been postponed for next year um so I think it's made a lot of us as musicians have to adapt and do a lot more online and try to build kind of our community a bit more there yeah that's right the community is something else isn't it and Mm. and you know I suppose 70 years ago when we had the second world war then we didn't even have the internet we have the internet we can see each other I don't know how we would have all survived if we didn't have the internet quite frankly I know I think about that sometimes (laughs) as well because it's it's somewhere that well it's a place that um we used to kind of entertain and occupy ourselves but there's so much information as well and it's quite scary to see that um the music industry is kind of collapsing under all of this stuff so yeah that is yeah it's quite heartbreaking actually to see that because i don't know if, if you want to touch on this lydia but i i've it is really important. It's important to me. I feel from um, a woman making waves producer and presenter mm. that I feel very passionate about Black Lives Matter. And this happened right in the middle of lockdown. In many ways, it got the platform that it needed because everybody concentrated on that one thing. How have yeah. you felt about this whole movement during lockdown? 
Um, it's quite a, it's quite a big. Yeah. Well, it's a very very important time. I think not just for the movement, but I think for people to kind of open their eyes up a bit more and see past just themselves. Um, obviously, it's tragic that George and many other Black people have lost their lives. Yeah. Um, but I think again, it's a wake up call for a lot of people to realise that uh, there needs to be change, and hopefully, as I said, like, I hope people will open their eyes and think actually we need to do something about this. We need to make sure that we are not so much like being biased about. Um, I can't. It's such. It's really hard to put into words. I know what I want to say, but it's really. I know. Tricky to put into words. It is tricky. It is absolutely, and you know what what comes out of it for me as a white woman is that uh, I I need to well we all I need personally need to listen more. I, I know I, I think I'm not racist, but you don't know until people say to you actually you know that's probably not the right thing to say, and and I you you have to be open to to getting it wrong, don't you, as a white person. Mm-hmm. And you know the thing is what it's it's um it's a funny thing, but I've only recently started realizing that we all haven't grown up the same way. Like for example, I didn't really learn a lot of Black history at school. That was my parents at home making sure that I knew history past what the typical things are that they talk about. And so I've always been very proud of my culture and heritage. Um, and also watching and supporting a lot of black entertainment and black businesses, whereas for a lot of people, they've never heard of half of the actors that I have, if that makes sense. It's, it's like you kind of side of your community, not intentionally, but it's, yeah, I think it's, um, and even actually working in the media business for quite a while now, you can kind of see that there isn't that as much diversity as there could be, you know, to reflect Britain today, yeah, uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, from a of of for a black community and for women as well, mm, women and, as well. Mm, and and I'm I'm all for. And I think for me, it's just getting across that you have to. We have to listen, and we have to ask why people aren't happy. Why is that the case? Definitely, and I think sort of believing people when they say because I think gaslighting happens quite a lot um, or people are invited on for discussions just for ratings rather than actually kind of coming up with a solution to the problem which is the problem is racism you know so I think as well as in terms of even some of the comedy you know to do with race that can be kind of a lot of stuff has been pulled uh, from like Netflix and things like that because of what's happening at the moment. But so let's go back now to to your first EP, which is 93. And this yep. came out in uh, came out in 2016. And how long did it take to, to make that your first EP? That must have been something to do that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, well, it took three days of recording. Um and then after that, yeah, it was pretty much made. I was surprised at how quick we managed to do it. It was a fantastic time that I spent with Adam Mark in the studio. And hopefully I'll be going back there soon, actually. I'm really, really itching to get back in and do my next EP. So. Oh, OK, yes, because that was 2016. So your next EP is 
really quite soon then is that is that something that you have been writing and taking time in lockdown to do yes i have <laughs> i've been taking advantage of this um the extra time i've had um and i want to do an album people have been asking me oh when are you doing an album but i think the way that we digest music now is in smaller chunks so i think i'll do it across two eps now that's interesting lydia that's really interesting i i can really understand that so is that how the music industry is is sort of going now that eps as opposed to albums as you just said because it's a smaller chunks yeah because in a way i think it's that you know less is more in that sense because if you gave someone a cd or your spotify and it you had 12 or 15 songs unless they're like your biggest fan they're not going to sit there and listen to it all in one go but if you drip feed one song every two or three months people are probably more likely to well again i can't speak for everyone but i think from what i've seen and read people are more likely to digest it if you give it to them in a small (laughs) small doses it sounds it's a science there's a science i'm sure well, actually, that's a, it's an interesting one because also it gives you time to not literally make up a whole album and think you have to make up 15 songs, but you can take your time and give it more quality, I suppose, in many ways, to each song that comes out. Definitely, and I've been working on, you know, making sure that each song has its own identity and, I guess... I do have a really good feeling about the next EP. I think a lot of the songs, if I can say, are hits, if that's a good word to use. Well, I liked your 93. That was fantastic. Oh, thank you. You had some... Well, they're all fantastic. And I want to ask you about that because the style of your tracks, what was the idea behind the style? Did you decide on the style? Because your voice is gorgeous. And Thank you. the lyrics are really interesting and, and I love the two cliche. It is it's a, it's an amazing, <laughs> amazing subject Thank that you. nobody talks about, but yet it's so obvious. It's so <laughs> obvious. Um but what how the style of your tracks and the style of your music, where did that come from? Obviously from you, but what was your inspiration? I think people and um I was thinking about obviously having this interview with you and thinking about what to call my style of music. I know it's sort of 90s pop, but I think it's also vox pop. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that's a radio word, but the voice of the people. I love being around my friends, my family, and hearing interesting stories and seeing how I can put my own sort of spin on that. And I think that's just where it comes from. I think there aren't enough songs about mums, I guess, even, for example. And it's like, I've written a song about that or cookies or <laughs> commuting you know like I, I sort of well uh, I, yeah I think the two cliche is interesting because I think now a lot more the of songs and, and the style and the genre in songs is different from 50s 60s and 70s and yet it's not all about one love or as you yeah. say it's about it's a narration of life isn't it definitely and I think when I think about writing my songs, they're sort of concepts. So I can kind of imagine very clearly a, a music video or actually the best way to describe it is I'm highly influenced by High School Musical. And <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, I really am. For a lot of my songs, I don't know why, I don't know if you do this, but sometimes when you're listening to music, you can imagine 
that you're in a movie or a music video. But so the lockdown has been a really sort of a creative time for you then. And have you found it easier to work in lockdown instead of travelling all over the place? Um, yeah, in some ways, like it has been, as I say, like a blessing and a curse. It's been really good to have more time to kind of do my own personal projects, but then it hasn't been good fitness wise. <laughs> so I'm sort of trying to combat that now. It, it feels quick now that it's coming to an end. It feels like, did that actually happen? Was it as bad as I thought? Or I don't know. I'm trying to always think, okay, what have I learned from this? And how can I, I actually, I have made a lot more good habits, I would say. Like, so okay. at 27, you have done a lot, a hell of a lot. What would you say to the younger generation who are coming up or trying mm. to treat, you know, not necessarily in music, but really want to do something? Of coming out of lockdown and thinking, what am I going to do? This is just awful. How would you see yourself, say, at 16 in this lockdown now? What would you say to a younger self or to younger generation? Wow, I would say definitely trust your instincts, whatever you want to do or get into is not impossible um there's definitely a science to it but I think if you start from now like I wish I could go back and be 16 again (laughs) I think I would have probably twice as many skills as I do now so I think learn as much as you can about your chosen trade or passion and just keep going with it keep knocking on doors keep um even making opportunities for yourself always be yourself because that's got you this far and that's what people will love you know everyone is genuinely unique so and 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 also you have been working as well as performing so you've had two jobs in many ways haven't you yeah I'm I'm a bit of a workaholic I've been quite fortunate that the trade that I've chosen complements my own work and there's plenty of times that um I've been able to write or work with someone in a different way just because I've had the skills to. Yeah, that's kind of been... I've been really lucky, actually. I say luck. But um, everyone is sort of striving to get their big break. But I think before that, you have to kind of... You have to be able to survive, really. You have to pay your rent and you have to be real about things. Um, But I also think the main question to that is, you know, if you go to any anyone 16 60 um and ask them if they're ready because if you went to a 16 year old they could be dying to get on stage or but you know be in a movie but if that contract came around the same day would they feel ready enough and if they feel like actually no I wouldn't be then I think they've got the answer you know you need to kind of work and experience more challenges Lydia what's been one of the greatest challenges for you in doing what you've done so far oh that's a good question um maybe the reach because I'm I'm still at that stage where I'm trying to build my fan base Mm. and get more people to listen so I think that's probably the biggest challenge but actually I say that but I'm like that's maybe not something I have to focus on as an unsigned artist so I think maybe sometimes if oh if maybe inspiration doesn't strike so I'm always trying to keep things fresh so yeah, yeah that's probably one of the other challenges 
on your BBC introducing stage, you have supported quite a few interesting people, haven't you? Like Kate Nash, mm. uh, Lewis Capaldi, Rag and Bone Man, Wolf Alice, Nile Rogers. What was that like when you were supporting? What's it like being a support performer? Um, I bet it was quite an interesting time, really. Yeah, and I mean, that was the biggest audience that I've ever had with my band. And it was an incredible experience. I think about that a lot, you know. And I think actually in the down days, as I said, that's the best kind of things to look at. And remember, actually, look how far you've come and there's and be excited about what's to come. Um, and those entertainers are at the top of their game and legends, really. So <laughs> little old me being, you know, in the same kind of arena as them was, yeah, a real dream come true. And I think that's what's so nice about support acts, isn't it? That you get to live and breathe and be with acts that you want to aspire to be or have more experience than you. And, and I think that's really important. Definitely. And I feel so ready for whatever opportunities come my way. You know, when I was interested in doing music, I, um, especially when I was like 16, 17, my parents were sort of a bit more like, no, you need to do your GCSEs, your A-levels, go to university, get a job. And I've kind of ticked off all those things now. So it's like, actually, now I can just enjoy and always have, of course, like a job that I can fall back on. But I can actually pursue my dreams without having, you know, to come up with a backup. And, and just talking about your instruments here, because when you do your support acts, I always want to know what you have to bring on stage when you're working alongside big acts. Do you have your own instruments you bring along or do like the likes of BBC provide you with an instrument or do you have to set yourself up yourself? What, what goes on? Yeah, so... Um... It's a bit of both, really. Like, they send you out a list of what they have in terms of all the speakers and more the techie side. And then as a band, we all bring our own instruments. Actually, they usually use a drum kit, but you have to bring your own, like, breakables. Um, but, yeah, we bring, like, our guitar, our bass, synth, everything like that. Yeah, it's just amazing. <laughs> when you're on a stage like that, you just wish you could do that forever. And I think oh, to get wow. to that stage where you have people from the BBC, you know, veterans saying your stuff is good enough, it's sort of the seal of approval that a lot of people seek out. And actually that helps you to, you know, think about the next stage of how to get onto. Um, an even bigger platform so talking about even even bigger platforms the next stages what where would you love to play if you if you the world was your oyster right now Lydia what would be one of the amazing stages that you'd like to perform on oh <laughs> I think I would love to play at the O2 arena I think also Glastonbury I thought I you think, might say that <laughs> yeah because it's it's somewhere I mean I would even just like to go there and watch. I've never been able to get a ticket. Um, it's mm. It's been a pleasure talking today, Lydia. Thank you so much indeed. Thank oh. you for the opportunity. That was Lydia Maddox talking to Susie Thorpe. So I really enjoy talking to Lydia Maddox. I think she was a really interesting person to to really get to know actually in the interview and I love the single that she brought out to cliche it's so different 
And I just love her take on it and I love her voice. I think her voice is a very interesting. I think she's really, really good. I thought she was full of energy as well. Another really good entertainer that uh, that, that, that we found. Yeah, I like Too Cliché as well. And I loved the video that she'd done with it. I found it on YouTube. She's, she's got her own channel on YouTube. So do subscribe to it and listen to some of her uh, of her stuff there. She's got some live tracks on as well that's been recorded in various, various venues that are very good. But I think she's going to go places, that girl. I think she's very good, very talented. Absolutely. She really is. And I love the way that she... She's a very positive person and the way she confronts the lockdown and she made full use of it and she says she really just got creative. And that's the that's the way to be, isn't it? It is. It is. It's the only thing to do, actually. I hope that a lot of uh, singers did that when they were in lockdown. I think they have. A lot of them have been saying they were been working on their EPs and their albums and things like that. Talking of EPs, I thought that was another very interesting point that she made, that people don't necessarily want to, to listen to whole albums anymore. Yes. They maybe an, an EP is enough. And in this world where people do get bored very quickly, I think she's hitting the nail on the head, you mm, know, Susie. Mm. And I think it also takes pressure off as I said, I think in the interview, it just takes pressure off the entertainer, the singer to record a whole album that probably, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to get through. But actually, if you can really put your heart and soul into three really good quality tracks, it's definitely worth it, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Things have really changed. I mean, I know when when I was a teenager, we were into concept albums that just went on for two sides or four sides and you'd sit and listen to them with your friends intently. But things are not like that anymore. No, they're certainly not. Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. 